It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. A few days removed from the first race of the season of Bahrain Grand Prix and we are back with another episode. Sam, are you uh, are you off the Alonso hype train yet? Have you found your station? Or are you still firmly aboard? I'm never getting off, mate. I am. Fair. I'm. I'm. I've got. I bought a worldwide ticket. You know. 16 to 25 rail card. I'm too young. I'm too old for hey, that. Hey, come on now. No chance of that. I've got a 25 to 60 plus. 30. Oh, we, yeah. I get my OAP card. Thank you. Get my free travel <laughs> to ride. But me and Alonso are there together conducting the journey firmly. Choo-choo, all aboard. Bloody loved it, mate. Absolutely loved it. I've been on that hype. On that hype. Hype is hype. Since like practice on Friday. Been buzzing about it. Harry, I imagine you've just imploded. Oh man, it's been joyous. I'll tell you what, I feel like maybe, um, I'm including Ben here, but maybe we as a podcast enjoyed the race more than the majority of everyone else who watched F1. And I was like, oh right, uh, seeing the reaction yesterday, I was like, oh, We're okay. not the vibe. No, we're not. We're just against the vibe. Um, Sounds about right. It does sound about right. But yeah, you know. We've I, never I been cool, so I'm not shocked. <laughs> I don't care. I still enjoyed it. Um, so what if Red Bull have won the championship already? Meh. In my, my mind, I'm just going to cut, they're always going to like trim them off and push them out to sea and then I'll just watch yeah. everything from third onwards and that's my championship. <laughs> I think your appreciation for the race deviated depending on your opinion of Fernando Alonso and really how much of Fernando Alonso's difficult years you endured because I mean, <laughs> I don't, we were around for the McLaren days. Ooh. And I, once you've seen that, seeing what we saw on Sunday is a is a better day for him. Much better day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, he went through the hardship, right, to, to yeah. see the light. And I, I imagine he would describe it in one word, and that would be karma. Good. That's a nice 2017 reference there. You know, 
Hello, Jolian Palmer. Um, <laughs> we've got plenty to talk about today. Um, it's actually going to be Fernando Alonso that takes on our first topic, but also on the show, we're going to be discussing Williams and how they managed to get a point on Sunday. They're off the mark at the first possible opportunity. We're also discussing F1 teams considering a 600 million entry fee, whether that's a good decision or not. Can't possibly foresee where we're going in terms of our opinions <laughs> there. Um, but we will kick off with Fernando Alonso because his second podium since his return to Formula One, his first on his first outing for Aston Martin. Sam, does this prove that Alpine made a big mistake in getting rid of him? I mean, Otmar, you've surely got to have a little cry to yourself when you realise that not only, you know, the Piastri saga, that was a pain in the backside, but Fernando Alonso, who clearly has some of the most high levels of determination in not just, like I say, motorsport, but like the world the man is so ambitious. You know that rumour that went round that he went into a, like a weird coma when he woke up, he thought he was 21 again. I'm slowly starting to believe that that <laughs> happened. And he's not in his 40s. He is younger than me and, you know, is still just living out his best life. The guy's got so much talent. It's endless raw talent. The way he demonstrated that move going past not just Sykes, but also Hamilton through that turn 10 ability, the will-to-will ability is exceptional. And when you're trying to build a team, okay, you think... Yes, we want longevity, but longevity isn't always giving Esteban Ocon the world's longest contract until the end of time and mankind is wiped from the face of this earth. Sometimes it's give Fernando Alonso a three-year deal and realise he has such expertise and brilliance and maybe move your car up higher than it is. And you throw that opportunity away. Now, I think Alpine made a mistake in getting rid of Alonso, but I do also think that Okay, gas is a good option. Ocon is a good option. The car, on the other hand, does still need to actually apply itself and create some form of result. And they need to be doing more work in the engineering levels with aerodynamics, with the chassis, because it's all well and good having Fernando Alonso drive that car to its absolute ragged edge and maybe get himself in eighth place. But, you know, if the car's only ever capable of a maximum of eighth place, then does it really matter if they've let him go, if they're having to pay, you know, if they're saving money? I guess it kind of has a benefit. But for me, I would much rather have a fired up Fernando Alonso in my team than Esteban Ocon for the next 47 years, quite frankly. And I know Fernando Alonso is pretty well known for making good decisions when changing teams. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much a guarantee every time he does it. Um, the problem is when you, you get rid of Fernando Alonso or Fernando Alonso decides to leave you, that's his motivation for the whole year. Like his sole objective in life is to stick it to the old team, which must be horrible if you're on the receiving end. He's so angry. He's so angry, isn't he? Um, yeah. It's like the uh, the Taylor Swift lyric, isn't it? It's the hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's like <laughs> Fernando is always the problem. Fair enough, and good to good to get. Cheers, Tay Tay. Good to have you in on the podcast. Tay-tay. I mean, you wouldn't know. Only uh, only close friends call him Tato. Um, oh, really? sorry. Yeah. I forgot you were good mates with old t You're Tato and tight, aren't you? Of course we are. Of course we are. Tight she hates, she hates Ferrari podcast. as well. We're, we're close. Um, tight with <laughs> Harry, I mean, I probably know where you're going to be on this anyway, given that you are the chief cheerleader of the Fernando Alonso fan club. But does this prove that Alpine have made a massive mistake in not doing more to keep him? <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, Otmar's, uh, you know, this weekend just gone, was probably looking at the whole Piastri in the McLaren that was terrible and going, four, that was great. And then someone has to tap him on the shoulder, remind him that his car was pretty crap. <laughs> and it's, <like> that. <laughs> it's a good point. Could you imagine if that McLaren was really good? Like, oh imagine my God. that situation for him. <laughs> yeah, that would have been savage. So, um, yeah, look, I, it, I think it was a mistake last year. It didn't matter if the Aston Martin was immediately competitive like it has been. Um, I mean, if it had been at the back of the grid, then obviously Otmar would would be smiling. But it, even if it was even if it was where it was at the end of last year, which was sometimes fighting with the Alpines, as we saw with, you know, in Suzuka. Um, as you say, Ben, Fernando Alonso, he's a petty man, a petty, petty man. I respect it. <laughs> respect the pettiness. Uh, that's what he lives for. So even if they had been in the same scrap, I still would have said it would have been a mistake because he, like I say, he'll just, he'll just spend every waking minute trying to beat you into the ground. So, uh, it was it, it was it was a mistake. Uh, obviously, I was going to say that, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, we said it at the time. Like, no offense to Gasly, but look who they got and who they could have had. Why would you not keep Fernando Alonso at least for another year? Gasly's not going anywhere. He just stayed around in Alfa Tauri for another year. The big question is: Would as much as I am a big fan of old Pete, the sausage man, could he <laughs> have gotten that result out of that Aston Martin in Bahrain? Really? I don't, no. I don't think so. I think he could have, you know, I think he would have beaten Stroll. I think he would have been fighting with Lewis Hamilton, but I don't think he'd have outdriven the car to that level to secure a third place to that degree. I'm not sure he would have made an overtake at turn 10. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No one made an overtake at turn no, 10, apart from Fernando Alonso. <laughs> it's it, it, was, um, it was a bit more common in the F2 races, I found. That was a bit more of an overtaking spot, but it's F2. F2 driver. That's but it. The point is like, F2 cars can pretty much overtake and do try and overtake at every corner, whereas that's not usually the case for F1. So um, that that move was... Oh, that was a great move. Um, yeah, in terms of Fernando, obviously with Alpine, if they are looking at their lineup from last year, if you're gonna if you're gonna move on from one of the drivers, you move on from the driver that had the least number of points. So obviously Alonso was the right call between him and Ocon to go. Um, Good. Le plan. Um, yeah, so <laughs> obviously I'm joking. Um, yeah, and realistically, this this race didn't actually prove anything from Alpine's decision. I don't think it did. So we already knew before the race started, Alonso, pretty good at the F1. All right, I think we can probably agree on that. Pretty good at the F1. And Alpine knew that. Alonso definitely knows that. Aston Martin know that. Everyone associated with Formula One knows Alonso can definitely drive a Formula One car to a very good level. So that was never in question. So nothing's really been proven as a result of that third place, that podium. Realistically, the reason that Alpine didn't want or didn't push harder for Alonso to stick around was Alonso wanted that multi-year deal and Alpine didn't want to give it to him. I think Alpine would have been happy enough in terms of that one-year extension, but they... They weren't willing to give it a two-year extension, which is what Alonso wanted. So actually, there's only two ways in which we can find out whether Alpine were right or wrong to do this. Firstly, if by next year, Alonso is still delivering at a really high level, at that point you can say, yeah, Alpine, that wasn't a great move because, well, 
two years later. You're probably worried about Alonso at 43 years old. But if he's still really good at that age, then you've made a mistake. And also the other way that they might have made a mistake is if Alonso's performances are so good this year that it doesn't matter what he does next year. At that point, they've made an error as well, um, which is, again, a, a complete possibility. Um, but yeah, I I understand I understand what Al- Alpine were going for last year, just in terms of looking ahead to the future. Uh, the problem is Fernando Alonso at 41 years old is better than 90% of drivers at 31 years old. And that will probably be the case when he's 51 as well. He will never leave. Um, <laughs> it's true. He will be carted away from that track. Like he, and he'll try to win that race as well. <laughs> you will have to like spatula in hand, proper get him off the tarmac and get him out because otherwise he's staying around. Um, I was so I. I mean, just in terms of Alonso and a wider question of having him on the podium and back in. Even the podium itself doesn't matter too much. Just having him in contention for big positions where he's a talking point more than he's been in over the last few years. How good is that for F1, Harry? It, it's great for F1 because he's he's a he's a personality. And, you know, it, we didn't see as much of him or we didn't see as much as it, much of him or or the half as much of the personality as he had on Sunday. Um in a competitive car and it just brought him to life uh, in a way that we haven't seen for, for a long time. So it's, it's good for F1. I think if the Red Bull is as good as it it was on Sunday, they're going to be praying for Fernando Alonso uh, (laughs) menacingness uh, for the entire year, because otherwise it's going to be a, it's been going to be a tough year for entertainment factor. So um, it's, it's good for F1. I don't see how there's any other way, to, to see it, uh, if I'm honest. Um, obviously, we want more drivers in the fight as well, but having him in there, it's, it's an added bonus. And if it means there's four teams in it, which by, by the looks of it, maybe there is, uh, maybe not for the title, but at least in the mix at the front, that's that's only a good thing. And if Alonso's driving that car, then I believe it it will be there for, for most of the year. How good of a thing is it for F1, Sam? Because... I know Red Bull at the moment look like they're going to be clear of the rest of the field, but at least in theory, if it does draw back a little bit towards the end of the season, could you imagine like, a Le- <laughs> could you imagine the Leclerc, Hamilton, Verstappen, and Alonso fight for a win? Goodness me! I mean, that's just <laughs> dreams, right? If we got a race like that where the cars all very, very similar and those four names, you know, Russell as well in there, you know, were yeah. all close together fighting for, and, and maybe it was coming down to the last three or four laps. So you're going, this is anyone's wing. It could end up possibly going down as one of the greatest races, if not the greatest race of all time. It is honestly that higher level of prospect. But in terms of Alonso being a name for Formula One, you, it only takes you know, an idiot like myself to look at other sports as examples and see things like, you know, in English football, the likes of Marcus Rashford or Cristiano Ronaldo or someone like that who can draw in a giant wealth of people to watch a certain game or follow a certain thing on social media. The same can be said with, you know, tennis with Djokovic or Nadal or, or, or Federer or something like that, right? Or golf with someone like Tiger Woods. When you get one of these characters, such as Lewis Hamilton has been for the last decade in Formula One, to step out into the limelight, to rise themselves above the rest of the standard sports people and have an impact that's greater than the sport itself. Liberty, Formula One, the FIA, 
need that kind of impact. They need that kind of personality because it does something that they can't do. It creates a character arc. It creates a storyline. It draws in people that care more about the character of, say, Fernando Alonso than they do necessarily about half of the racing that goes up and down the grid. It creates a global ripple effect that allows people to go, I don't really care about motor racing, but for example, I'm Spanish speaking. Uh, I like competition. Fernando Alonso seems like a great guy to me. I'm, I'm interested in his story. And the marketing potential around that is absolutely huge for Formula One. And Fernando has always been this anti-hero concept. He's always been this sarcastic, slightly villainous kind of guy that wants to triumph over everything. And it is so compelling to watch. Even back when he was in, in Renault, right, fighting Michael Schumacher, even when he was going up against Reichen and Lewis Hamilton, you couldn't take your eyes off him. Whether you loved him or you hated him, you could not take your eyes off him. So having a character like this, like Hamilton has been for the last decade, step above what the normal sporting entertainers do, it is invaluable to a brand. And, and you saw it, let alone for Aston Martin themselves, right? Their share prices have gone through the roof over the last week. It's what risen something like 30% or something like that. In terms of, I think I saw a stat that said they gained $300 million on their company valuation based on Fernando Alonso's performance in Bahrain alone. If he could do that for the whole season, think of the value that he's providing. Just, you know, he's already paid for himself in terms of the money that's got to come in. You need a character like that. It can pay such dividends for you, the company, your brand, it's brilliant. And what you say about either loving him or hating him, and you're absolutely right in that point because it doesn't matter which category you fall into. The point is you fall in one of the categories and you would rather that. Like a lot of people love Alonso. A lot of people don't like Alonso, but you're feeling something one way or the other for him. And that's that's the key, right? When you've got these personalities. The biggest insult is to be forgotten. It, Absolutely. And that should be the case when it comes to Formula One. And I think there is overall a, a push from Formula One to get the personalities of these drivers across more than that has been the case in previous years. Uh, I think it's getting better because certainly I think it used to be the drivers got to a point where they were so well media trained to the point where you could almost copy and paste their answers and you wouldn't be able to tell which driver said it because... 50% of them were capable of saying the same thing. And it feels like there's a much more, there's much more of a push away from that now, but Alonso, you, you don't really need to push him there. He's already there and has been there for a very long time. That's who he is, which is, which is great. And I, I really hesitate to give this free advertising because they had advertised it so much at the weekend, but Sky Sports having their capability to oh, go on. Not board, you as well. I, just, there is a point in this having the capability to go on board with all the drivers and they kept on asking throughout the weekend, who would you go on board with? Who who would you go on board with? And I was sat there thinking, well, if I was going to do it, it's Fernando Alonso, isn't it? And that should <laughs> that gives you an answer in itself, right? The answer is Fernando Alonso because you can't miss what he's doing, um, whether you love him or hate him. I mean, and that, that point is also, I think, even more so important because you've got characters like, you know, Valtteri Bottas has almost reinvented himself since going to Alfa Romeo. We've, yeah. we've seen how cool and charming he has become, you know, how suave he is. He's got the mullet. You know, he's almost like a, a made his home in Australia now. But speaking of Australians... 
we've lost the other big character at the moment, Danny Rick, right? He was the man that you looked at. He was the man that interviewers wanted to speak to. He was the guy that in America, you got him on the talk show because he provided you with immediate levels of entertainment that stretched beyond Formula One. Now he's gone, you need someone to fill those shoes, especially how Lewis Hamilton might not be at the front, who was that other character in a different sense, the more political, you know, standing up and shouting about something important sense. Falonso, I'm going to go with it. Falonso. Falonso. It just, you know, provides pure hilarity and drama. And I love it. It's just all guns blazing action. He is the new box office. Falonzo and Fernando. Good. Good enough. <laughs> well, before we say bye-bye to this first topic, um, very quick, yes. quick update. And I said, we're going to actually do it this year because we forgot after one race <laughs> last year. And there's every chance we still do that this year, but we'll try. F1 Fantasy. So we've got a league that's been set up. I think we've got nearly 450 teams within our league and, of course, scores on the doors after the first week of action. Um, I'm quite happy with that many. 56th, solid enough, right? Thank you very much, Alonso and Verstappen. You really helped me out there. Um, This is unbelievable, folks. (laughs) This is actually unbelievable because Harry's not in last. He's not. He's not. (laughs) 158th means you're in the top half as well like that's uh, this is a turnout for the books (laughs) and uh, Sam Sam is the last of the three of us in 169th so not that far behind nice uh, it's not of course it's that number it's 100 more than it man that's not it's it's 100 nices that, that doesn't count. Um, also, what baffled me is how similar all of our, the three of us have as our teams, and yet I'm still somehow this far behind. I didn't. I do not understand how it's worked, but hey, you, you put believed Ferrari. in Ferrari. Yeah, I, I, I had no anything sympathy. Ferrari in my. Oh, I had the team. Yes, I did. Yeah, I had the team. Uh, yeah. no I, sympathy. I, as a top tip, folks, I've taken them out of my team for this next race. <laughs> but I should uh, mention this naming and shaming here because good old Brexit beef. Our good friend, Hall of Famer, was very kindly (laughs) very kindly set this up for us this year. Um, And she's competing herself. 416th beef? What are you playing at? (laughs) Bottom beef. Oh, dear. Honestly, I was looking at the scores after the race, after they were updated. I only finished scrolling through five minutes ago to actually find beef. She's that far down. (laughs) What are you doing down there? Loser beef. That being said, thanks. Thanks for sending yeah. out beef. Yeah, we yeah. appreciate the commitment. Really appreciate that beef. Um, we'll take a short break. We'll be discussing Williams on the other side of it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Before we get going on the Williams topic, just to mention that as we record this in about 24 hours' time, we'll be recording our first Patreon-exclusive episode. So the first one for March complete episode that's exclusive to Patreon um, and there'll be another one coming up later in the month as well because yet too. So just to say that will be with you fairly shortly as you listen to this. It Soon. Will, it, it will be in March, we promise. Um, <laughs> Please subscribe. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, also, sorry Ben, go before on, you yeah, go yeah. on. Um, our lovely Discord, it's only five away from 1,700 people so if you fancy chatting yeah. to some F1 fans... A lot of it's people got a, come in it, recently. It's got a banner now, hasn't it? It's <laughs> we, got a lot yeah, of my banner. sister drew that banner. <laughs> Our it, selling it, point it is we have a banner. Nicely. Yeah, we're very official. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, anyway, carry on, Ben. No worries. Uh, Williams. So we gave our predictions pre-season as to where Williams would end up. All three of us, unanimous, that they will finish in last Ooh. place. So they are determined to prove us wrong. Oh, and no. at least after one race... They're doing all right because Alex Alban picked up a point, uh, which puts them in seventh, clear of three teams that didn't score at the Bahrain Grand Prix, those being Alpha Tauri, Haas and McLaren. So based on what you saw, because Logan Sargent also wasn't a million miles away from points, based on what you saw, Harry, scale of one to ten here, how confident are you that Williams will not finish last? How confident am I that they won't finish last? Yeah. I'll go for... A seven. Ooh, that's pr- I'm actually influenced by them. Well, I, I'm I'm sure that they will probably fall away in the development race during the season. Um, having said that, and it's a point that I think uh, Martin Brundle made in his commentary. It doesn't look like a car that's got a lot of downforce, but it just kind of looks solid, like it it it. A few years ago, the Williams just tried to kill you every time you went <laughs> yeah. to a corner. So it doesn't do that anymore, which is a an improvement. Um, it just wind. looks like a any, yeah any any gust of wind and it yeah. off you go into the gravel. Um, so it doesn't do that anymore, and it, yeah, it just looks kind of like a solid race car. I think over one lap, yeah, maybe they'll they'll struggle. They won't be much uh, further out of Q one or or probably stay in Q one for most of the season, but. If the race pace from on Sunday is anything to go by, I, I'd I'd say that they could be uh, in with a shout of not finishing last. And if Haas's race pace is the same, they've got nothing to worry about because that was diabolical. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm pleasantly surprised by Williams. I hope they just sort of chip away at it this year because I don't think they've got the fastest car necessarily, but they just kind of look solid. And Logan Sargent, well done. I'm very impressed. Uh, bear in mind as well, in terms of one lap pace, 1,000th quicker and Williams have got two cars in Q2 and you know, Al- Albert didn't really put together a lap in Q2 either. I'm not sure. I don't think it would have been enough for Q3, but might have been enough for yeah. a couple more positions. So it's interesting. True. On that scale, Sam, 1 to 10, if Harry's at a 7, where are you in terms of confidence that Williams won't be last by the end of the year? Uh, I'm actually more confident than Harry. I'm going for about an 8.5 on this scale. And I know, which feels bold. I mean, out of the three of us, what do you expect? Um, and I'm doing this based on, you know, the other three teams that you've already mentioned that are currently behind them. I don't think they've got the pace to really overhaul anyone in front. I think Alfa Romeo 
they, they seem comfortable to hang in, in the back end of the points pretty comfortably all season if they can manage to you know, keep things up. And then you've got essentially Alpine, who Gasly managed to carve its way through the field into the points and, and played it brilliantly. And Ocon probably would have been there as well had he not picked up every penalty available in the nation of Bahrain. Um, but, you know, then you've got Mercedes and then you've got Aston Martin. So, you know, I think Alfa Romeo there, I don't think Williams is jumping in those. But look at the teams that Williams are looking to beat. Um, Haas, for example. What is going again? I, I called them imposters, but what is going on at Haas? You know, it's a constant muck up every single time they come on the track at the moment, and they need to get themselves more sorted. They need to have consistency, they need to have a solid performance. Holt did such a brilliant job in that qualifying, really surprised me at how good he was. But K Mag's out in Q1, there's no strategy element to their performance. And if that carries on, which I believe it quite possibly could, we've seen what Haas have been like previously, and they haven't improve those performances year on year for a while there's every chance they stay behind Williams while the rest of the grid continue to improve and then you've got McLaren now McLaren for me are more like they've got Google Chrome sponsorship but Internet Explorer performance right it needs oh, to catch up with them it's a you, bit you've delayed. been waiting for that one haven't you you've been waiting for that, that one off, off, that off does, does not deserve a drum oh hang on um, let me find it <laughs> oh it's the world's most delayed joke um, response do it again okay hold on oh he's oh. done it already Great. Good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Good. <laughs> that was more of a laugh than, than my comment, which I thought was a I thought was a clever I, comment. It was a good one. I, I actually really liked it, Sam. Yeah. Go What's on. the secret to comedy, Sam? Timing. Timing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my point is that their performance is delayed, much like Internet Explorer, and that I believe that. In time, they will ramp their car's ability up. You know, by the time we get to Baku, by the time we get to, you know, the Canada parts of the season, I think McLaren will have caught back up to the midfield. They have the developmental ability to do so. And I think they'll probably leapfrog Williams. But then you have the other team that I haven't mentioned, which is Alpha Tauri. Now, Yuki Sonoda, as demonstrated at Bahrain, only performed in the first and last race. And <laughs> There's always Abu Dhabi. Never yeah, mind. <laughs> you know, you never know. He might win. But Nick De Vries as well is also a bit of an unproven entity. And whilst I think Nick was fairly solid in Bahrain, I just don't think that car has the absolute ability to give him a regular point-scoring car. Whereas Alex Albon is, for me, one of the most underrated drivers on the Formula 1 grid. He really has that ability to continue knocking out results. And you know what? As Harry said, the Williams simply looks solid. I mean, someone like Logan Sargent, who he's got, he's got a good junior record, but he's never driven a Formula One car before. He gets in that car, he qualifies pretty damn well, and then he manages to go the whole way through the Bahrain Grand Prix without a single mistake, fighting regularly with the cars that are faster than him, and he's so close to Alex the entire race. I really think that he's got good potential, and they can pull out some good results. So I do not think they're going to finish last. I simply think they've got a better overall drive a package with a better trajectory than the likes of Alpha Tauri do. So for me, I'm very confident that they're not going to be at the back of this grid for the whole season. Damn. Um, that makes me look pretty horrible because I've got it at a four. Um, Ooh, <laughs> and I to the gonads. I mean, we all put them last and it's only been one race where they scored one point. So it, it was pretty encouraging. And just to say, it probably would have been a two before the Bahrain Grand Prix. So they're going in the right direction. Um, the problem is I just don't know whether that pace is going to translate to the other Grand Prix yet. So but before I go into the other teams that, that that you've mentioned as well, I will say this just about Williams at Bahrain specifically, and I think this really needs to be mentioned. I was so impressed with Williams 
generally at Bahrain. Not just in terms of that car was a little bit quicker than I thought it was going to be. I thought they nailed everything strategically. I thought they were spot on and they it was, it was perfect. So in terms of the straight line speed of that Williams, they set that car up to be a rocket in a straight line to the point where no one was going to overtake them from that midfield. Fine. And everything they did strategically lined up with that brilliantly well. So, you know, they did pretty well in qualifying. Certainly Alex Albon did. Logan Sargent, as we mentioned, unlucky not to make Q2. Both of them had extraordinary first laps. I don't know if you've seen the onboard of Logan Sargent's first lap. It's immense. Filth. Filth. Brilliant. So you've got those, they have great first laps. And then everything they do strategically just focuses on track position to the point where the Alpha Tauris might have similar pace to them. Maybe the Haas do as well. But they've got the track position and they've got a quick car on a straight line. They aren't getting overtaken. They used the soft tyres quite early on in that Grand Prix, their, their second set of softs. Again, that was done with the idea in mind that track position is king for the way they set up their car. Perfectly executed weekend. They deserve the point. The only thing I'm, I'm, I can't go further than a four at the moment is because I don't know how well that pace will translate. As mentioned, I think they will do. I think they will do pretty well on circuits that are quite straight dependent. I don't know if, like some of the circuits such as Singapore, Monaco, Imola, they might struggle there. I, I have a feeling they will. Um, and uh, you know, Logan Sargent is still a bit of a question mark. It was a great debut, but it's still only one race. Certainly, from Haas's perspective, firstly, McLaren. I'll, I'll briefly touch on them. Obviously, they scored no points from the first race. I do believe they will turn it around enough. Um, I don't know whether it will be enough to satisfy their own goals and objectives, but I think it will be enough to overturn Williams in the championship. The other two, Haas, I do think have got a bit more pace than what they were able to show at Bahrain. I think they've got a quicker car than they they were able to show. The issue is they're really quick at the start of the season and they come away from the first race with zero points. That doesn't bode well. But if they get a good result over the next couple of races, I think they will go clear of Williams. The one I'm concerned about that's already been mentioned is Alpha Tauri because I didn't see much different between those two cars. Pace-wise, I think they're pretty much level pegging as based on what we saw at Bahrain. And lineup-wise, I think it's fairly close as well. I know we ranked the lineups pre-season. I, I had Williams ninth and Alpha Tauri tenth, and that might have been shared amongst you both as well. We, we both had those two teams as the bottom two. So I don't think Alpha Tauri, in the same way that has to, have a lineup advantage over Williams. So if anyone's not going to beat them, I think it will be Alpha Tauri. But um, I'll go with a four. But after come, uh, speak to me after Jeddah. It might be higher than that. I don't want to speak to you after Jeddah. I don't like no, you. Podcast is over after that. Yep. All right then. Um, this is actually <laughs> our last episode. Great. <laughs> well, in that case, let's take a, well, I was going to say a short break, but we'll take a really long break. This is it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay, um, this oh, this topic's got the potential to be uh, interesting because we're talking about money again and we're talking about money being dictated by Formula One teams, which historically, if you've listened to the podcast, is usually um, causes anger amongst at least one of us, usually at least two, sometimes all three of us. So the Formula One teams are considering a 600 million fee for new teams. Now, at the moment, that anti-dilution fee, as they call it, stands at $200 million. Um, So any Formula One team that wants to enter, it would be the 11th team, obviously, on the grid. That fee stands at $200 million that needs to be paid that is split up between the 10 teams to essentially cover any losses that they get as a result of another team taking away their prize money. Um, And that $600 million, um, just to mention, is apparently the lowest figure has been mentioned and it could be even higher in terms of what they're suggesting the formula one teams can only um lobby for this um they might have a fair amount of influence but they don't themselves dictate what that number is but it looks like they're going to try and triple it sam i'm assuming you think this is a great idea oh yes i love it you know what when something is a struggle you know what you should do triple any part of it at least that is always going to be a great idea oh i can't climb everest at the moment you know what will make things easier let me triple the height of it that will help you know come on come on the this this i think is possibly for me the most frustrating part of Formula One at the moment. It might be the thing that is irritating me by far the most out of any of the stuff that goes on in Formula One that is negative. We want more competition. We want more ability to see cars up and down the grid fight and have more entrance from around the world. And especially from the likes of the US, which has got a great racing pedigree that have a massive effect on the state of Formula One. I want to see more of it. So when you go from 200 million which is a huge amount of money, but I, I kind of understand the reasoning behind it, to 600 million, what's your reasoning behind that level of a jump? And as Ben said, that's the smallest amount that is possibly being propositioned as what they're lobbying for. What is your reasoning for such a jump? Because, okay, we're going through a level of unprecedented levels of inflation globally. There's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine, and there's conflicts elsewhere in the world. Okay, trade prices have increased as well as freight. Yeah, okay. But to the tune of a minimum of $600 million, no, not a chance in hell, heaven or earth has it gone up that much money. And this excuse of, wait for it, folks. Oh, I don't want you to take away my prize money. You know, said the entire F1 grid. Get better at the sport. That is part of the incentive of being good at the sport. It's not a handout. Oh, please, Mr. FIA, can I have my money? No, no, you can win the money because it's a competition. We don't all get medals for taking part. You earn your place. So if Andretti coming or if Sam Sage Racing comes in with £2.50, you beat them regardless and you earn your place. If I beat you on £2.50, then you should I'm, have to eat I'm, Pasca from your slipper or something. I've like seen you drive, there. Sam. I'd put my money on you, mate. <laughs> mate, being alongside a team together, yeah. menacing. Um, my point here is this is preposterous. It's dumbfounded and makes absolutely zero sense. And it is destroying the possibility of increased competition in the sport. And that's what I want to see more of. We're having to debate certain things like, should Alpha Tauri sell in a hope that a new team might come in, but it's not a new team thing, is it? It's just a replacement team. I want 22 cars. I want 24 cars on the grid. And I don't think that 
you should get an entitlement to prize money just because you've been in the sport and someone else hasn't. You know, pull your finger out, be better at the game and earn your money. That's the whole point. So for me, this is an incredibly frustrating topic. And the fact that it's 600 as a minimum is absolutely baffling a number. I'd love to know how they came to that conclusion. You know what I've just realised? It's just dawned on me. We can't have Andretti in Formula One. It's another team that starts with A. I know, there are too many. That's already a pet peeve. Oh, man. Anyway, um, more important matters. Sam's definitely in favour of the 600 million fee. Yep. Harry, are you? No. Good stuff. Um, Shut up, F1 teams. You're being (laughs) stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's... I, I just... They're just being a bunch of scary cats uh, and they're annoying me. Just let another team in. What you, if you're scared of being beaten? That's the whole point of being in a sport. Like it's the competition. I know there's business elements to it, but yeah, whatevs. Um, <laughs> of course. Whatevs business elements. <laughs> Who cares about profitability? <laughs> yeah, yeah whatevs commercial rights holders. Go away. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I don't, it's just. The bigger problem again, we come back to the, we come back to this time and time again when it comes to things like the rules in F one and what's what's allowed and what's not. F one team shouldn't be allowed to try and lobby this with the six hundred mil rubbish. They, they shouldn't be allowed. To, doesn't matter. You 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 join the sport. Doesn't matter who else comes in. Shouldn't have a say. FIA F one. You you look after that bit. You have a sport. You say this is our sport. If you want to join it, in you come. Obviously, a bit of a bit of a bit of money to pay. I get that, but not six hundred million. That's a stupid. So, yeah, I'm I'm fed up of F1 teams being. Yeah, Sam's impression actually was spot on. Oh, oh thank I'm you. Scared. I scared enjoy your little, impressions of my impressions. Yeah, scared little F1 teams. Um, yeah, sh- just shush, shush, and get on with it. If Andretti come in and beat you, that's your lookout. Be better. So I, yeah, and the point in terms of Formula One teams having too much power is something we've laboured on for long enough. Um, It's been brought up a number of times and surprisingly, my opinion hasn't changed on it. I don't blame the teams whatsoever for trying to get every single penny out of this they can. That's their right. They're looking out for themselves. They're looking out for their shareholders. Don't blame them whatsoever. The problem is they shouldn't even have the ability to be able to, to do that. It just shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, you know, sit with them whatsoever. It's got nothing to do with them. So, okay, here's what I'm going to try and do. I'm going to try and get put some numbers on this. Okay, I promise you, by the end, I'm by the end of this, you will realise even more so how ridiculous this number is because it is insane. And as Sam's already mentioned, this 600 million is the minimum that they're looking for. So we're being as kind as we possibly can to what they're proposing here. At the moment, the 10 teams, roughly speaking, based on the last prize fund, get 1 billion collectively. So it isn't completely... That's a lot. It's a lot of money. So it isn't completely split evenly between the 10 teams. There are performance sort of metrics that decide who gets what. But let's just say for ease sake that everyone gets the same and everyone gets an average of $100 million. Um, so you've got that amount. So what happens if an 11th team comes in and assume that no value is added whatsoever to that 1 billion? Instead of 100 million average, 
it's about 90 million average. So you lose 10 million in terms of, in terms of revenue. So that's why this 200 million exists in the first place is to replace that lost revenue. Again, assuming no value is added. So in the example, what we've got at the moment, you lose 10 million as a result of an 11th team coming in. But from that 200 million that's split between the 10 teams, you gain 20 million. So you're 10 million up, right? Makes sense. So if, <laughs> if that number goes to 600 million, suddenly all the teams get 60 million each that are currently existing. So to keep that 10 million buffer that I spoke about, you would need to make a loss of 50 million from, from an 11th team coming in, if that makes sense. So what number in terms of overall prize fund would you need to get to to the point where you would lose $50 million? The answer is over $6 billion. Bear in mind, we're on about $1 billion at the moment. You're telling, me, you're telling me that the only way you lose out on this versus where you are at the moment is by F1 increasing that prize fund by over six times what it is right now. That is insane. I know F1's on a great growth trajectory. Brilliant. The revenue isn't increasing by six times. I can guarantee you that. Where on earth are they getting this number from? They don't need 60 million each to dilute the, the, the overall fee for Andretti or anyone else coming in. They're not losing anywhere near that amount. Explain it to me. This is this is pure corporate greed. Nothing else. I don't even think they're scared of Andretti. I think they're just trying to make as much money as possible. I think you're right, Benger. I think the other frustrating part is, as you've mentioned, you've said several times in your very well put argument that you know that is assuming that no value is added to the sport when this team comes in. You know the amount of advertising, commercial rights, and opportunity that someone like Andretti would bring to the rest of the grid, that Liberty would make more money off of, therefore the prize fund would grow, you know, is unprecedented in theory. They are the largest racing group from America in terms of, you know, a, a team. Why would you not want that as part of your sport? How do you think that you could, in some form, make a financial gain off of them being a competitor of yours or you being in the same market as them? To me, it just feels like you could wait, make way more money having them as almost a friend rather than a non-existent part of your sport. It's just preposterous. And based on the cost, the cost caps are really important one to factor in here as well. At the moment, it's um, was it? It's just under one forty million at the moment. Is it like one thirty five? One thirty eight. I think one thirty eight. Okay. Um, so basically, what they are saying to an eleventh team is, you have to upfront pay for over four seasons worth of racing in order to go racing. That's insane. <sighs> Good. Good, good, good. I tell you what, six hundred million is a lot of money. But you know what? Isn't a lot. That's of money. a lot. What? What's, that is a lot. What's not a lot of money, Harry? What's not a lot of money? Five star reviews. Oh God's sake! <laughs> How much does it cost uh, to leave a five star review, Harry? Absolutely nothing. That's Priceless. Not a lot. That's not a lot. Apart, um, from, apart from thirty seconds of your time, which we're placing no value on. That's not a lot. It's not a lot. Uh, yeah, folks, I do this every so often. It gets results, so I'm going to carry on doing it. 
give us a five star review, please, if you like us. And if you don't like us, we don't want to hear about it. Just kindly walk away. Just don't come back <laughs> kindly. You know, live and let live. <laughs> leave, all right? it, leave it playing, but just walk away. <laughs> yeah, put the whole catalog on. Leave it on mute if you want. Walk away yeah. for a day and then come back and, and forget about us forever. That's fine. But if you do like us, five star reviews. Cheers. No, thank you for that, Harry. Really appreciate that. Um, speaking of someone that hasn't left us a five-star review yet, George Russell. Need to get on that, mate. Um, he had some comments after the Bahrain Grand Prix. Of course, not a great one for Mercedes and indeed Russell himself. So they ended up fifth and seventh with Russell occupying the seventh of that partnership. Um, he said that Red Bull, based on what he saw at Bahrain, should win every race this season. And also he's willing to sacrifice a season in order to get back up the front. So um, let's take this in two parts. So we'll just look at the Red Bull should win every race this season part to start with. Sam, what's your views on him saying that? Is it just a bit of a, um, is he over-exaggerating to, to one result or is, does he have a fair point? I think he also said as part of this extended quote that they've got it too easy, which I I found very comical, you know, like, uh, I, I really, look who you're driving for, George. I know, right? He wasn't also, there. Don't again, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't had any of the glory, which is the one I think I can understand. But I mean, it, again, as we've already mentioned, it's a sport, right? You, you know, it's not just about the driver; it's about the engineering team and the ability to develop and use your resources. They've not had it easy at all, have they? They've had to put as much work in as everyone else, and they've done it better. So I think that is a hilarious comment to make after the domination of Mercedes having it maybe too easy, George, now that you're struggling. Um, the point is, could should Red Bull win every single Grand Prix this season? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying they will, but in theory, if they have the same level of ability at every single racetrack as they displayed in Bahrain, then 100% it is highly realistic that they could go on to win every single race. We've seen it almost happen with Mercedes, right, in the last few years. They had races at the early start of the new generation in, what, 2014, 2015, where they won, what, I think it was actually like 96% of Grand Prix across two years or something like that. They lost like two or one. So, and I think a lot of it was down to, yeah, so was it a, a DNF. Yeah, I'm trying to do 2014, they won all but three, maybe? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think they only ever didn't, like, th- they never went below three win, as in... Gave away three what wins. What am I trying to say? Yeah, gave away three wins. Yeah, there you yeah go. I'm trying to say. And, and obviously, some of those won't just be through drivers or the car being outdriven. There will be uh, failures that contribute to that, you know, in some relation. So, yes, Red Bull have every chance of going win every single race of the season. You know what, George? Whether you cancel the rest of your season or not, They've got every right to go and do that because that's how Formula One works sometimes. And they've developed a bloody good car and they've got bloody good drivers who are piloting it. So if that's the case, then that's the case. Get good, son. Um, <laughs> shall I talk about the second part you said, Jet? Then I'll join leave. We'll, we'll go on to that in a little bit, but uh, right. have a little think because I'll come back to you on it. I will have um, a think. I tell you, uh, George Russell, um, we're, we're not very close at the moment, me and George. So obviously when everyone in the world was picking Lewis Hamilton to beat George Russell last season and I stood by George Russell, we were very close. He was very appreciative of my decision and he um, filled Did his end of the bargain. Yeah, yeah. And then he fulfilled his end of the bargain. So he was obviously expecting that this year I would also back him to beat Lewis Hamilton and I haven't, so we're not on speaking terms at the moment. But Replace him with Tay-Tay. Exactly. So I, I, I will speak about him, though, even if we're not on good terms. Um, should Red Bull win ev- every race this season? Um, well, I, th- I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. I know Red Bull were very good 
at the first race and i'm sure they will be very good at a lot of other races um and they will probably go into the, into most races as the favorite this year i have full confidence that they're, they're going to win both championships but it's a 23 race season there are just so many opportunities for things to go wrong to the point where they aren't they i will say it on record they aren't winning them all um i can't wait for that to now be true but they aren't winning them all so if you were just to take bahrain as the only measuring stick of everything that will happen across a season. Um, first of all, Ferrari would be very happy because they would have won the championship last year, right? Um, in all seriousness, with Ferrari last year, if you were just a base performance on Bahrain alone, you would say, well, Leclerc is probably going to win minimum five races this year based on what you saw at Bahrain. And I can't remember how many he ended up with, but I think it was probably four, right? Or I don't, think, I don't think he even made five. Three or four. Yeah, right. Um, so based on Bahrain, you'd have thought he'd have gone way ahead of that, and he didn't. McLaren wouldn't be very happy if everything that happened at Bahrain was going to be true for the rest of the year because they would have had no points in the last two years, right? Um, you know, they were awful at Bahrain last year, and whilst they didn't fulfil their objectives, they still finished fifth and still gained a lot of points. So you can't read everything into the first race of the season. To that point... The last driver that won the first race of the season then won the championship, Nico Rosberg in 2016. That's how long ago that happened. The, the guy who last did it has been retired for seven years. So it's not something that happens a great deal in Formula One where the driver wins the first race and then goes on to dominate. Even in the Ferrari years where Schumacher and Barrichello were dominant, they gave it a good go to try and do the clean sweep across the year. Um but it's it's different. It's not it's difficult, uh, and that was like a sixteen race season. We've got another seven where things can go wrong here now. So, I think Russell's probably. I, I understand what he's saying, but um, ah, calm calm down a little bit. Calm down just a little <laughs> bit, mate. Simmer down. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on his comments, Aaron? Yeah, I, I agree with what you both said. Um, it's. There were points last year. Do you, did, I feel like people forget, you know, Australia, the Australian GP last year, when Leclerc was, it was miles ahead of Verstappen and then Verstappen broke down and everyone was like, well, it's it. Verstappen, championship over. Yeah. Championship's done. <laughs> it's all done. Oh, that went well, didn't it? Back for Obviously 2023. Ferrari, yeah, Ferrari helped them along the way there, but the, it, that's my point. It's F1. It, things happen, weird variable things happen is why we watch it because it it's never you know exactly. it's never the same um so yeah it, basing it on the first races is, is madness and i think yeah the red bulls will cook but i don't think they had they've they were, had quite the advantage that we've seen you know in the particularly in the mercedes era like 2014 they could just run off into the distance you never see them again i know alonso was a little way behind but he had some battling to do um but he's only 20 odd seconds behind uh Perez at the end and there was no safety above the VSC but no actual safety car bunching up the field so that's not that bad and if you go even further back to like the 90, early 90s with Mansell and Williams it, look at some of the timing sheets good oh lord oh god the whole grid would get lapped yeah yeah exactly so we're not in that position there everyone needs to calm down including you Mr. Russell um, and let's see how Jeddah goes because it's F1. Anything can happen. Um, as I think Murray Walker once and said. He usually and does. he usually does. Yeah. So there you go. Cheers, Murray. Cheers, oh, I miss that man. 
in terms of the second part, I know you've been uh, your time to shine. It's uh, it's Cletus here. Uh, um, <laughs> get, get, get Simpsons referencing. Uh, Sam, uh, the second part of that, Russell willing to sacrifice a season. Now, I think it might be too early to absolutely definitively say whether it's a good idea or not. But what are your thoughts, at least in terms of Russell entertaining the idea? Yeah, I was almost going to throw in a girling, bring me the 2024 <laughs> car, you know. Um, but yeah, I think anyway. Um, you, you know what? List, I, list your when, kids instead. That'd be a bit interesting. No, because there's over 103 <laughs> and we'll be here for the rest of the podcast. Um, one of them's probably called like dishwasher or something. Anyway, the point is, well, I made this point in um, the Bahrain Review where Toto Wolf came out in a really damning negative way. You know, he, he said the quote, this was one of my worst days in motor racing. You came fifth and seventh. You've got teams back there that haven't won a race ever. You know, you've got teams back there that haven't scored points regularly for seasons upon seasons. And you've gone sure, fifth or seventh. His, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Every experience is obviously individual. Um, anyway, when your team boss comes out and says, we've got it wrong. This is one of the darkest days that I've had. What's George Russell really going to say to oppose that? And I actually think it does make sense. Mercedes are here to win. They're here to go all out. They're here to dominate. And it's great for their brand. It sells them lots of cars. It creates great technology. They get a lot of money off sponsorship. You want to be here to win. And they want to be a viable business model in that sense. So if it means that, hey, we know that we can pretty comfortably use the rest of the season as a testing process and probably still co- come home no worse than fourth in the championship, it, to me, it's a bit of a no-brainer. It sucks for us as the viewer because we won't see as fun a championship. We won't see as close a racing. We'll lose a team potentially out of that fight for second, which they're definitely still in the hunt for. Um, but... It does mean that in theory for 2024, we could see an absolute domination again from Mercedes if they get it right. I think George Russell shows that he's committed to the team long term. I think it shows that he isn't thinking about running off to another team at the first sign of a struggle, you know, into his second series, which is great. Um, And I think they've got Lewis Hamilton to back them as well, which is obviously a great asset to have. For me, if I was Mercedes... I would already chalk off the season and I would go down completely the experimental route and I would try and bring something, you know, we've got the mini spring break between Baku and Melbourne. I would try and bring something completely different to, to Melbourne. I would go crazy with it and do something new. And I think he has every right to sit there and say publicly, why not? Because they, I, I'm going to be realistic. They have not got the pace to win regular races this year. They will not have the pace for maybe even regular podiums. They will not be winning this championship. So move on, solidify your future. It's an understandable statement from George Russell it, it, and it makes sense based on where he is this year versus last year as well. Um, you know, certainly George Russell drove the worst Mercedes that has existed in the last 10 years last year. It was also by far and away the best car he's ever driven. It was a weird position for him to be in, but he had his one season where being regularly in the top five getting podiums here and there and ultimately getting a win late in the season, that was so far and away better than what he'd had at Williams that it's completely understandable that he would settle for that. Uh, I don't know if settle's the right word, but it's almost like it's such an improvement of where he was that it was enough for him last year. Whereas it's, it's not- like it's worn off now. Exactly. And so it should, right? He's gone there to win championships ultimately. And now he's in the second year at Mercedes. It's almost like, okay, 
now I'm at the position where I don't care if I'm finishing fourth regularly. That doesn't do anything for me. I'm here to win a title. If it isn't going to happen this year, okay, that's not brilliant. But if I can do something this year that's going to help me do it next year, I'm willing to do that, which is what he's saying here. And I think he's absolutely right to, at the very least, entertain the idea. Because ultimately, his seven-time champion teammate last season went the other way in terms of, I want to do everything we can to prove that we don't have a championship winning car. Um, and I will do everything I can, po- uh, everything that he can do possible to make sure that it isn't in there before settling, right? And I think Russell's probably in a position now where he's willing to go down that same route if those are the only two possible options. Um, and it makes sense. And it might be the only way, like you say, Sam, that they can get back in contention. What I would say is this. Um, do you know what Mercedes dominance, do you know how Mercedes dominance ended? Or, you know, is there a specific reason? Valtteri Bottas isn't there anymore. Soon as Bottas, oh, so soon as Bottas left, everything falls He's pieces, the boat, right? isn't he? He's the boat. He's the, the boat. boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that man. What were your thoughts on the second part of that statement, Harry, in terms of George Russell potentially sacrificing in order to gain long term? Yeah, I think um, George and indeed Toto, because Sam reminded me with that comment, have been to the Mercedes school of hyperbole over the winter break because, come on, guys. (laughs) I mean, for Toto, the worst day of your racing career, Spain 2016. Do you not remember it? In fact, I, I will say this. Spain 2016 was awful, but he already knew that he was winning both championships that year. <laughs> true, this was true. an indication that neither's happening this year. Okay, okay. I still, I, I don't I t- buy I tell it, you but, okay. in terms of like on the day specifically. <laughs> but I get that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can understand uh, Russell's point here. Um, you know, he's got long enough left in his career that he can he won't it will hurt but he can sacrifice a year and you know, for the sake of coming back next year um even stronger so i t- i take his point entirely i i it's quite again i'm not ragging on mercedes here but they they have quite a defeatist and i say outwardly like publicly quite a defeatist attitude and i'm sure that isn't the case and we know that's not the case you don't become eight times world champions by by being defeatist, but what they say in public. He, do you remember when they used to dominate? They used to turn up each weekend and be like, "Oh, I don't know. I, th- I think the Rebel might have us or Ferrari have got us this, this weekend." And then they do him everyone by like seven tenths in quality. You'd be like, okay, cheers, guys. What a shot. So yeah, it's it's a bit of that. It's a bit of that coming back in. Um, obviously, now they are behind. So I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of that. Just you know, your car sucks. Get on with it you know, stop, stop, stop having a little whinge. But um, yeah, I get, I get, I get Russell's point here. Um, I'm sure maybe Hamilton doesn't necessarily agree <laughs> with what they want to do, what he wants to do, because Hamilton's career is probably slightly limited in years compared to Russell's. But um, I totally, totally see his point. I reckon he's just going to drive one of the older, more dominant cars at some point and see if anyone notices. Just yeah. bring back the 2020 Mercedes. Yeah, exactly. See what happens. Yeah, it looks pretty similar, right? I'm sure that will be. Yeah. 11. It'll be fine. Yeah. No one will notice. All good. Um, we'll take a short break. We'll be playing F1 Order, please, after this. Yeah. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go. F1 order, please. Whether it's a can of Coca-Cola or a lump of cheese, or we're ordering drivers by the size of their knees, this game is full of facts, just you wait and see. This is Formula One. Order, order, please. F1 order, please. So, um, I have got six questions in front of me. It's Sam versus Harry in a battle of wits. I'll give them four different um, things that they will need to order. Um, could be anything, could be circuits, drivers, Anything I choose. Size of the knees. Size of the knees could be that. Um, And they'll need to order them correctly. If they do so, they will hear this noise. Order! Why is that so loud? God. (laughs) Always painfully loud. It's almost the same equivalent as to what the gun is for pump the brakes. (laughs) You'll hear that noise and you'll get a point. Um, But if you get it wrong, you won't get a point. Funny how that works. But the other person will have the opportunity to steal if they think they know the correct order. But if they don't get the steal right, they lose a point, which means minus points are on the table here. Wait for me to be on minus three, folks. Kick us off well then, Sam. Number one, two, three, four, or five or six. So, glad you clarified because I might have gone rogue. Um, I'm going to go for number one. Okay. Got four circuits from most corners to least, please. So we've got Suzuka. I need to write them down. I'm really bad at this. Fair. Suzuka. Okay, Suzuka. Yeah. Monza. Yeah. Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Right. Yeah. Cota. So from most corners to least corners, please. Okay. Um. Now, if I had all the time in the world, I would actually sit here in my mind and almost drive them and count the corners. Time trial on uh, that Which is very one, right? sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, let me load it up. I'm sure there are many people listening who can sit there in their minds, almost visualise a lap of the track from having on board with the car. And that's what I would happily do. But we don't have that time. So I'm just going to try and rattle them off. From most to least, I'm going to go uh, Kota most, Suzuka second most, Canada third most, or Gilles Villeneuve, and Monza last or least. What a start. Ric Flair there came out. Sam takes the lead. So, uh, yeah, absolutely spot on. 20 corners at Kota, 18 at Suzuka, 14 at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, and 11 at Monza, which still doesn't sound right. I think he's got three. But, yeah, that's the correct order. It's all parabolic, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, 11? (laughs) Where do they find those, then? Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? What number do you want, Harry? Number six, please. Number six. Uh, four drivers from most to least again. The number of wins that they had in their rookie season. So you've right. got Nigel Mansell. Okay. Lewis Hamilton. Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda. And Nicky Lauda. Giuseppe Farina. <laughs> oh, what? I don't know. <laughs> 
guess though. You'll guess it right. You 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 guess it right. So, from most to least, I'll go. Oh, most to least. That's the game. He's got it. I can't. I can't remember if Lauda debuted with Ferrari or not. Think of the film. Yeah, I know. I'll go. Don't, don't rush. Get it. We. Oh, I'll go. Hamilton, Farina, Lauda, Mansell, from most to least. That is not the correct order. Sam has the opportunity for a 2-0 lead if he wants to try and steal it. Are you are you having absolute Tim Bath, mate? No chance of stealing <laughs> that one. That can stay firmly in the bank. Fair play. Um, if, you, if you had to have a guess, how, how might you have changed that? Uh, I would say it's Hamilton... Mansell louder Farina. Yeah, good call that you didn't try and steal that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Harry was pretty close. So Nick uh, Lewis Hamilton does have the most at four. Um, Giuseppe Farina had three wins, but then Mansell had one and Lauda didn't have any in his rookie season. Mansell so. had one in his first season? Yeah. Who for? Lotus. Your mum. Did it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's atrocious. That is, that is awful, man. <laughs> awful banter. Really awful banter. Oh, cut that out. <laughs> yeah. That is so juvenile. Still 1-0. Harry, don't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what number do you want? You're on a, you're on a roll of one. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, it's descending into chaos. I'll have two, please, Ben. Okay. Throw out the your mum joke on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> at least we're a, at least we're an hour in, I guess. Yeah, uh, listening right, four drivers, all of yeah. whom raced quite a lot, but never claimed a win. Uh, just most starts um, to least. So you've got Andrea De Cesaris. Yeah, can't spell it, but yeah, Martin Brundle. I'd love to see that exclusive content. How he tries to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me write it down, and I'll read it out to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jarier. Hold on. Oh, God's sake. You've put all the world's hardest <laughs> names. Um, Jarier, yeah. And Quick Nick Heidfeld. <laughs> De Cesaris. D C H E Z. I spelt it D E C H E S E R I S. Not quite. Close enough. Ah. No, no H in there, mate. <laughs> oh, that'll be the difference. I was close. Yeah. Okay, so most starts uh, to least yes. starts. Uh, I'm going to go Heidfeld, Brundle, the Cesaris, Jarier. That's not correct. Poo bums. <laughs> Harry, do you want to go? <laughs> Um, what sorry what was your order Sam it was Heidfeld then Brundle then the Cesaris then Jarier last I I don't I've got no idea yeah this is a tricky one Um, the Cesaris is first on the list so he had 208 race starts then it's Nick Heidfeld with 183 then it's Brundle with 158 and Jarier is last 135 ah it's like one position out in the sense that's not too bad. 
So, um, stays at 1-0. Back to you, Harry. 3, 4 or 5? Five. 5, please. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you four um, pairs of drivers. I want you to tell me from most to least how common they've been first and second. So how many times they have been first and second together um, to Good. the least. So you've got Lewis Hamilton and, Mac, uh, and Max Verstappen. Yeah. You've got Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. Okay. Michael Schumacher and Mika Hakkinen. Okay. And Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna. Uh, what? So how many times they've been first this and second is a good together? Um, this is a good question. Oh, God. What? Sorry, what was the first one? Hamilton and Verstappen was the first one. Hamilton and Verstappen. Okay. So I'm going to go... Oh, God. Most Hamilton and Vettel. Yep. Second... Uh, second Senna and Prost. Yep. Oh, Hamilton, ben. Verstappen and Schumacher and Hakkinen as the other two. Uh, this is such a difficult... I'll go... Hamilton, Verstappen, then Schumacher, Hakkinen last. That's not the correct order. Sam, would you like to attempt to steal, knowing that you've got a 1-0 lead? No. Again, leave it firmly in the bank. Put it away. <laughs> get, get, put the key in the fire and melt it. Can I do a, a guess without guessing, if you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. All right. Uh, so I would have potentially have gone um, Senna Prost 1, um, Hacking and Schumacher two, Hamilton Vessel three, Verstappen Hamilton four. Good lord, I'm glad you didn't try and steal that, Sam. That is uh Woo! that is a lucky that is in the nicest way possible. That ain't close. <laughs> Woo! I'm so good at getting things right. This, to be fair, this was really oh, difficult. <laughs> this was really difficult. So the most common first and second place pairing is Hamilton and Verstappen. They're already first. Already. Twice. 33 times they have been first and second together. When did that happen? 2019 to to 2021. The the race to get milk. This is, I I was like, Verstappen just picked up podium. He wasn't winning that much in 2019 and 20, but he picked up podium. He was second though. That's, um, That's enough to fulfill it. Oh, getting the bit. Hamilton's first. So I, it, it shocked me as well. I didn't think that he would be first. Um, second is then Hamilton and Vettel at 26. Um, then it's Prost and Senna at 23. And then Schumacher and Hakkinen only 14 times, surprisingly. Well, yeah, I thought there would be... But then they were they were only really battling for like two years, weren't they? Well, well when you think years. about it, like yeah. 99, they weren't battling for a oh, lot true, of wasn't <laughs> Yeah. Fair point. Anyway, one nil stays the score, which means Sam. Crikey, mate. Three or four. Uh, I'm going to be annoying and buck the trend. I'll go number four. All right. You're an idiot. Sam gets this right. The win goes to him. Four teams, most starts to least. Okay. HRT. Ferrari. 
Yeah, HRT. Yeah. Andrea Moda. Andrea Moda. Caterham. Caterham. Yeah. And Super Aguri. Super Aguri. Got a proper soft spot for Super Aguri, you know. Fair. Um, Friend of the podcast. Yeah. The the team. yeah, they are, the whole team. And also the only team I can ever really qualify for on F1 Championship Edition because that's Ugh. how bad I was at the game. Um, he knows Magni Core like okay. the back of his hand. <laughs> actually, honestly, the only test I could pass was Magni Core, the 10 lap one where you had to beat a lap time. Um, we're getting off topic. Right, most starts to least. I'm going Super Aguri most, Caterham second most, Andrea Moda third, HRT fourth. That's not the correct order, which means, Harry, you've got a decision. Do you want to try and steal it? I mean, if you if you try and steal it and you get it wrong, you can't win for sure. But if you get it right, you're level and you have the chance to win it on your question. There's a lot riding on this decision. <laughs> hey, hey, Harry. Hey, Harry. Hey, don't do it, mate. Just leave it. <laughs> um, go, you can only draw right, I'll try if you and steal don't it. try and steal it. Yeah. God damn it. I will go for most. Uh, oh, are we counting Caterham as just Caterham, not as when they were a different green car? Because uh, they were Lotus. Mm, just when they were Caterham, I think. Qualification okay. not allowed, I think. Please. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I will go for. Say Toyota. No. I'll go for HRT first. Brabham. <laughs> Brabham. <laughs> Salva. Salva. HRT for the most. Caterham second. Super Gurry third and Andrea Moda last. It's minus points for Harry. Oh, oh. Which ices it. Um, you had the last two in the right order. It's just the first two. It was the other way around. So Caterham, I've got that as 92 race starts. HRT at 64. Super Aguri at 35. That Caterham must be, I, must be as Lotus as well then, surely. Yeah, because that's yeah. five seasons worth pretty much. You've done me dirty there, Ben. You've I'm, done me absolutely dirty. He's done us both dirty there, mate, because I had the same thought as you. So I didn't want clarification because I thought I'm going to screw myself. How have I done you dirty? You've, You've won. Don't get involved, Ben. Don't get involved. Right. It's one. Uh, no, Sam's one. <laughs> Sam's now a minus one, so Harry has the chance to win this. <laughs> Good. Chance to get back to zero. Okay, Here we chance go. to get back to zero. Come on, Harry. You can do it. Most home wins. Number three, please. Oh, almost <laughs> swore, man. Nearly almost got him. Oh, nearly got me. You nearly got him. Most home wins. Um, and just to clarify where I'm saying most home wins, if there's been something like the European Grand Prix, as an example, that has taken place in the country, that doesn't count. I'm only looking for the home race, if that makes sense. Um, okay, the yeah, German GP. Sure. Um, the four drivers are Jim Clark, Ayrton Senna, Nigel Mansell back again, the doc, and <laughs> Michael Schumacher. Um... You can get this one, mate. Michael Schumacher will be the most, I reckon. Um, Nigel, second. And then... Whew. And then... 
And then... Ah, I don't know how many Jim Clark had. More than you. He won a lot, but they don't have many races. God, Jim Clark then center. You're a fool. (laughs) Oh, no. It's not right. Um, Do you want to give it a go? Sam, just for... with I don't want to steal it, but yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, Schumacher, Sanger, Mansell, Clark is what I've gone for. Uh, you're all really putting um, Jim Clark down, actually. <laughs> yeah, he raced for three days. Well, he, he did enough to win five home races. So, five? Yeah. Five? Yeah, he was all right, wasn't he? He did okay. The only race in the UK. <laughs> he just won the British GP all the time. He was in Germany. British GP win. There you go. Also, he only won the British... Uh, Mansell only won the British GP twice. So... Did he? Because yeah. Senna only won Brazil twice, right? Three. So That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I thought Jim Clark would be one, and I thought um, Senna was three. So what years did he win? Uh, Senna, sorry. 90... Was it just his last three? Uh, 91, 92, 93? Maybe he did only win it twice. I've got it down as three, but... You you need to know this. I know one. I do. It's your, I mean, your quiz, mate. There's nothing on the line here, is there? But <laughs> I've, I'm, on, I'm on minus one, yeah. so nothing on the line. Yeah. Um, I thought he won it three times, but maybe it was only twice. Regardless. Do you just make do you just make these up? He just makes up. No, I've got the number written down. It's just whether I've wrote it down from or not. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just makes it up. Anyway. Okay. Sam is the winner. <laughs> Rosie pointed out to me the other day that I am forget the theme shit I'm talking <laughs> just talking over it I started before you started talking mate <sighs> just you wait and see this is Formula One order order please anyway back to what I was saying before I started singing over myself um Rosie pointed out the other day that I am not only an incredibly sore loser I am an incredibly sore winner as well oh, really <laughs> bad at being Richard Hammond <laughs> oh honestly it's like a, you know, Homer Simpson, he's like, in your face. Yeah, that, is, <laughs> that is me. That's why I host them, because I'm a terrible winner as well. Um, I'm Losing is even worse. I have to keep it polite for the podcast. When Harry beats me, I guess, yeah. I really just try and laugh at myself because it hurts me deep inside. Uh, best segment for last, as always. What is it, Sam? It is the LB question of the week. Week. It's really getting worse and worse in terms of that theme song, but we move. The question of the week. Oh, don't ever, you're getting worse and worse as a host. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. I wasn't actually talking about your input. I was more talking about Harry taking 10 years to actually come in with his... Um, oh, shut up, Ben. Hold on, let me just rephrase the point I made. Harry, you're getting worse and worse as a host. Things are pretty dumb. Also, I, I would care about what you say about me, Harry, but you just finished with minus one point, so I don't really care. <laughs> hey, the quiz that you made up. <laughs> and got everything wrong, apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty, I just looked it up. I think Sanger only won twice in Brazil. Good. I'm boycotting any, any further quizzes. <laughs> Um, anyway. Yeah, question of the week. So we put this one out. What is the next analogy Sam will use on the podcast? <laughs> Any answers that took your uh, took your own? 
Well, I want to hear from you two first, actually, I think, because I feel like it'd be interesting what ones you think are maybe similar or good that I maybe then can incorporate into my life later on. Oh, that makes sense. I'm going to say, sorry, yeah, Ben, the one that actually fully made me laugh was uh, one Tonian on Instagram, which said, Mercedes Benz are performing like a Rolling Stone. I can't get no <laughs> grip or traction. Like, come on. <laughs> That's <laughs> awful and brilliant. Uh, oh dear. I did like uh, Coprolite was saying was McLaren are as slow as the sloth from the DMV on the movie Zootopia, <laughs> which is... <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great scene. Other acceptable moments for slow would be including the snail from Monsters Inc. University when it tries to run to <laughs> class and it takes all year to get there. To be clear, both myself and Sam just impersonated that snail. <laughs> visual visual humour. Back at it again. He'll use a Simpsons reference to say something about Ferrari's poor race last week. That sounds right. <laughs> Certainly as the pizza toppings as they relate to Mercedes upgrades. They really do. You you would be shocked at the amount of similarities between pizza toppings and Mercedes upgrades, you know. Let's have a look through some Twitter, I mean, shall we? Yeah, dumb electrician on Twitter saying, Ferrari's season is in real danger of becoming like a spag bowl, expired by the French Grand Prix. Lots of hope, no spice, and a waste of the number one chef's talent. <laughs> Brilliant. Was that fantastic? Spag bowl. Oh, God. God. Christ. <laughs> Put the emphasis on the right part of the word. <laughs> Just do as it wind you up. It's great. I know. Oh, goodness me. Uh, McLaren car is like Wiley Coyote and the Red Bull is like the Roadrunner. Yeah, short and sweet. Love that. Um, Mercedes car design is like trying to make a cake for the first time and getting it done, tasting it and saying, how on earth could something this awful be created? Let me try again. And then you proceed to do exactly the same thing as you did the first time and then throw it in the bin. That yeah. is bang on. That's just like my kangaroo analogy from the Bahrain review, I think. Yeah, fair. Great answers as usual. Um, and we'll be back with another one next week as well. So what's it going to be? We don't know yet. That's the beauty of it. But check out Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we usually post it in the evening of a Monday, our time as we are in the UK. So early afternoon or so in the US on a Monday. If we remember. If we remember. Follow us. You'll figure it out. You'll see it. We remember most of the time nowadays, but I'm sure next week we will now forget. How, um, an hour 22 minutes how have we been here for so long yeah it's 10 o'clock at night I'm actually oh, really I've been wanging tired. on for ages Jeez. yeah yeah we need to shut up Sam get us out of it okay bye no I'm joking um, <laughs> thanks for listening uh, it's been a long one I hope you enjoyed it again Patreon the first episode of your benefit is coming out well, it's being recorded actually to, uh, tomorrow we're recording it so you know you'll have it very soon so if you are subscribed to the Patreon or you want to you still can go and join it it massively supports the show more than anything else you could do joining that Patreon helps us out and we really really appreciate every single person that's already doing it even if it's literally the smallest amount it massively helps us um, follow us on social media because of course you might be able to join in with things like the question of the week and get your name shouted out on the podcast at LB uh, L Breaking is what we are actually on Twitter um, well done for everyone Sam the Late Breaking F1 podcast is what we are on Instagram and on TikTok because we're down, down with the kids. Um, check out the merch store. We've got some nice designs on there. They look really, really good on you. You know, you look like a sexy, hunkalicious person, regardless of who it is you actually are. You definitely move up by a couple of You're points. all hunkalicious. Um, you are. 
Uh, thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. We're, we're you know, obviously thriving and, and, and having a great time at the start surviving. of this new season. You know, you know how it is. Um, you know how I've been. Anyway, this has gone long enough. In the meantime, I've been saying the same. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Cletus Spuckler. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, keep breaking late. The amount of kicks. Nancy, Francy, Francy, Mancy. Get your brothers. Sports Social Podcast Network.